Uh, what's up, beautiful people? Welcome back to Free Games. It's been about uh, about six months. We got the, uh, the original co-host back with us. We got Jeremy Todd in town, back from uh, South Carolina, running business up there. And we got Brian Grosso here. He's going to, I'm sure we're going to go all over the place with it. But uh, to start, we're definitely going to start off in the cannabis industry um, and, and just take it from there. But uh, yeah, man, we uh, we had to put it on hold for a little bit and get a couple other things handled, and we got some some great shows set up. Um, so we're super excited. So we'll start off with Brian. So tell me, like, how, when, you know, why did you end up getting started in yeah. the cannabis industry? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. This is exciting. New experience for me. So first off, I'm grateful to be here. Um, but yeah, cannabis was a plant that uh, probably saved me when I was a kid. Didn't realize it. We're introduced to it at a young age, and you don't really realize why you're drawn to it. But it's how I made most of my homies. Um, probably balanced me mentally more than I ever. That's understood. probably how we met. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean. What age? Mm, Pretty I young. I, I think I probably started smoking <laughs> at like 15, something like that. Yeah. Um, but now nah, I was uh, I was at a career path change. Like I knew something had changed. I was working in the beer business for a large corporate brewer. Great business experience. Don't get me wrong. But um, I came to a point where I I looked at myself and I said, What am I good at? And what do I want to do? And how do I want to use whatever I'm good at? And I came to the realization that it was human connection that was really my key strength with the ability to influence and I wanted to pair that ability with some degree of integrity and, and altruism um, and selling more beer just didn't feel like the right play for me. Um, I remember that. Yeah. You were at this weird crossroads exactly. where you felt like beer was the enemy exactly. and, and you were selling it. Because <laughs> I have a beer right before I come in I here. was going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when it, I mean, when you're in it, it was pretty dark, right? Like you, you catch dudes at the bar and then like a week later they call it D-dub or you just hear like the same old cat sitting in the bar complaining about the same shit, drinking a PBR and whiskey at like 9 a.m. And you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? No, it's different like, when you go in and versus living in it. Yeah. Um, so I pulled myself out of that, had that self-realization, took a, a pretty big gamble and not re-signing a lease down in New York City. Fast forward the story, um, I walked in faith, I got handed a nice solid transitional financial plan um, from Miller Coors. I'd intended to quit, but a layoff had ensued, so it was just like a really nice transition. Yeah, it works I, in mysterious ways, right? Exactly. The synchronicity was beautiful, the, the nudge that I was in the right direction was a great confirmation. And then I had set intentions to just go to Colorado and go to job fairs, and in my head, I'd started in the beer business just slanging cases of beer, like doing grunt work. So that was like the only path up I knew. So I was like, I'm just gonna go grow or be a bartender, or like do bitch work, you know, trim, trim, whatever. Like I had no real understanding of the industry. What year was this? This is probably 2015, 2016. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I assumed I would start at the bottom and work my way up because that's just how I had operated before. Um, turns out Mr. Hensey made a really interesting connection. Um, Mr. Hensey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I went to Mr. Hensey. I was like, hey, Mr. H, like, I'm looking to get into the, this industry. Do you have any understanding of it or anybody that might be able to help me? Or so just for like, those of you that don't know who that is, which is going to be most people listening, I know. Um, it's a mutual friend's father. Yeah, who had owned a medical distribution business. Like, he bought and sold medical devices. And he was always like my father, who, uh, like my second father, who I looked to for some guidance when it came to a more career path stuff. So after quitting my job, I, I put like, 11 things on a page. It was like cannabis, make more music, save fucking bees, hang out with these people. You were definitely on that <laughs> list, like trying to surround myself by solid folks. Um, just so books I wanted to read. So like, I was like, I'm quitting my job. I'm pursuing something else. I'm gonna go run this by someone I trust. And he came to me, he's like, I think I know someone in Connecticut who does what I do, selling medical devices, who's signing a distribution deal with um, a predominant CBD company. And I was like, I don't even know what CBD is. Like, I'm gonna go to Colorado in two weeks and go to this job fair in the cannabis industry and like end up working for a dispensary or whatever, right? Um, that didn't work out. That job fair was terrible. It was way more like pot focused in terms of like 
the, the cultural side of getting high, which although I enjoyed, I was really looking for like the medicine side of it. Like this plant is so biodynamic and there's so many chemicals, let's embrace that and build it out, not just let's get stoned. So I came back, I was like, hey, Mr. H, is there anything going on with that opportunity or with your buddy that is about to start selling CBD products? And that's when I started to look into to CBD more than just um, the THC side of it. And I started selling Charlotte's Web for the distribution side of the business. And Mr. Henzi just kept plugging away at the executives at CW and he was like, um, yo, I got this kid, he's super hungry, like you should take him on. He worked for a large, you know, manufacturer before. And sure enough, like that's exactly how it happened. So Mr. Henty's the plug. Hell yeah. Mr. Henty connected all the dots, he advocated for me, he gave me a shot. He started selling this stuff because he knew I wanted to, so I was like his feet on the street, just trying to figure it out, um, making a little bit of commission from him and then um they were in super startup mode when I got there. Um they still are for sure, but it was nice to have someone from a large manufacturer, I think, coming into a a startup company, especially on the sales side of things, that understood CPG products, consumer packaged goods. Okay. So I just landed there. And that's a specific strain, right? Like Charlotte's Web is a strain. It's a company, no? Yeah, so I think it gets confused a lot um, for a strain, for like a, a specific genetic. Okay. Um, like you will go into a dispensary and see like a Charlotte's Web vape pen. Okay. That's definitely not the brand that, that I represent. Or gotcha. It could be a strain name, but what we have done, um, or what the company's done rather, let me state that, um, they patented some genetic strains. Mm -hmm. They've worked hard to crossbreed to figure out how to grow it optimally, not just in Colorado, but in Oregon and Kentucky and different parts of the country. And then they've patented those genetics, oh, okay. um, which just ensures some degree of consistency and exclusivity. Um, consistency is probably the biggest piece, though. Yeah. Don't they have a cool backstory, though? I remember like someone with like, epilepsy and... Yeah, Charlotte's Web. Everyone's like, oh, I love that book. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever really read it. But um, the company I work for is a little bit different. There was... Um, a group of brothers, it was seven brothers, the Stanley brothers. They were out in Colorado growing back in like early, what, 2000s, 2010, somewhere in there. Um, and at this point, cannabis was medically legal in Colorado, but they were growing low THC strains of cannabis, um, high CBD strains to demonstrate efficacy, more or less, to the governing bodies, as well as help some folks to say this doesn't get you high. People shouldn't have to uproot themselves and come to a legal state so to get it. So for most people, we just presume they don't understand what the CBD does. Do you want to explain that? Because you've, you've broken this down to me on many different occasions. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the plant in general is is ridden with a class of compounds called cannabinoids, right? THC is a cannabinoid. CBD is a cannabinoid probably the two that we hear most of. THC has a, a psychotropic effect to it where it's gonna get you some degree of, of high euphoric state of mind, right? Um, CBD is, is not going to, um, and it works within the, the body's endocannabinoid system, all these compounds do. Um, the endocannabinoid system is a series of cell receptors. Um, you have these endocannabinoid receptors laced all across your body, your brain, your gut, your immune system, your nervous system, your eyes, your skin, your liver, pretty much everywhere in your body. The name of the game for those receptors um, within all of those cells of the body is to interact with a cannabinoid, either endocannabinoid produced by the body or phytocannabinoid from the plant, like CBD. Interact with those receptors on those cells to bring that cell and in turn that system, brain, gut, nervous system, into balance. The endocannabinoid system, its whole job is to bring homeostasis to those systems. It's the body's master regulator. So CBD, and I don't know the science to a depth enough to say CBD does exact, exactly this within these pathways, but the name of the game with cannabis in the human body is just balance. Okay. More than anything. That's what I actually did not know that. Yeah. And, and a, a good way to look at it is we're so caught up in what is it, sympathetic just uh, 
just nervous system, right? Like we're fight or flight most of the time. We're overstimulated. We're, we're just lost in like the amount of things going on trying to balance it all. And we are always trying to find like a parasympathetic state to rest, rejuvenate and revive. And cannabis, specifically CBD, can help you find that. I've heard time. humans in the past because of how overstimulated and oversaturated our society is, like constant dopamine from like Instagram likes or Facebook likes or all the other bullshit, right? Yeah, um, exactly. That when people actually enjoy like good food and things like that, Although they enjoy it, it's not the same degree that humans used to enjoy things. Wow. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if you know anything about that, but I literally read that the other day, and it was like um, hmm. the human brain or the most humans in modern American society are so oversaturated with like dopamine. And, and dopamine is, is the quick one, right? It's yeah. uh, Serotonin is like what creates trust, and that comes out over time. Mm. It's like good things take time, right? Yeah. But it's like the dopamine rush um, that when people see good views and things like that, it doesn't create the some chemical reaction yeah, and memory Mem- yeah yeah it's almost like people are um the the cheap thr- not cheap but like the easy thrills Quick. of of the instant gratification actually depletes and lessens the value of like the long run shit so it's like oversaturation yeah yeah. yeah yeah we're like I'm, I'm trying to get simpler right like yeah. ironically as i'm doing better and more I'm actually simplifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Simplification, I think, is an important piece. For me, buyer's remorse is kind of where I'm, I'm picking up where you're putting down. Like, I love food. Like, I love trying good new food. But, like, after going to so many dope restaurants or, like, traveling the country, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good. What I just had. When in reality, if it was, like, the first restaurant. Oh, my God. I've been like, this <laughs> is fucking <laughs> Yeah, like, you would be talking to everybody about it for, like, exactly. the, for, like the next month. Yeah. Um, I'm so not yes. that as, as I grow in business right now I'm I don't want to say used to but now I go to these fancy steakhouses with like literally like now I've kind of been accepted in, in a circle with like billionaires yeah and and sports team owners and mm-hmm. people that own hospitals and people that do all the crazy shit right so you go to grab dinner and you're probably not I mean although these people would actually go to like a McCray's or like a oh and they'd probably love it no no knock on McCray's you know we love you but like still <laughs> that's the local pub I'm getting chicken wings there you know we're going to these steakhouses now and it's still awesome but I remember like the first time it's just not as awesome yeah the first time like I went to one I went home I was like oh my fucking god (laughs) yeah I can afford this yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) oh man so Uh, so I didn't mean to completely no that's why we're here derail yeah I was gonna ask too like if for people who if like for me if you like smoke and get anxious yeah. yeah, he recently started getting anxious when so he like, tired. So, like, I don't even weird. smoke anymore the last, like, three years. Yeah, that's And like I used to when I was question. younger. I think I don't know if it's because weed is stronger now, or I don't know what it is. I can give like, you my two cents when, on that. When I do, like, CBD or, like, a vape sometimes, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But if I, like, you know, chief So, we, on, used, we got, this kind of started this podcast, like, we used to take what we call, like, blunt walks and mm-hmm. we'd walk like six miles and we'd just talk yeah mm-hmm. and I was like yo I'm gonna get a podcast and I can just feel it it's coming and then right shortly after that Mike approached you know Mike approached me with like hey you know about podcast stuff and I was like well <laughs> here we are yeah yeah that's good but it, it was interesting like just like a feeling yeah mm-hmm. I feel like um well one I've heard and I've probably used it myself and I think it works like if I get a little too high or too much uh I've ingested or inhaled too much THC. I definitely lean into CBD to try to balance that out. Okay. Um, I don't believe it's just placebo. I don't know the science on it, but like I've leveraged that trick to, to bring me back down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think CBD will get me less high if I'm too high. If I, if I eat an edible potentially. and I can't get off the couch and I have some CBD, I'm, I might be a little better. Yeah, everything is potential. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure. Like okay. I've, I've leveraged that tool or that trick to help me. Um, 
and I think there is some science back there. I just I'm not able. To I think the anxiety now. too is like you just second get like. So what do you, you think his handle. anxiety comes from now? Because it's new and he's been. I, I think it might be maybe taking you, on more in my life. life. And I just second guess everything to the point of like, how long am I looking at this person? Okay, now look here. All right, what am I doing with my hands? That could be like you're hyper aware, and you're just like, I am living here, and I'm not like. Yeah. Sometimes that's just the feeling. It like I go back to like you. the stimuli, and I'm, I'm now I'm thinking like internal stimuli as well as external stimuli because the external stimuli has always been there. Like when we were in college, you still had things going on, but the internal stimuli like wasn't as drastic because you didn't have as much responsibility. I had to wake up, I had to go to class, fuck off, take a scantron test get an right. a on it and then coming yeah. out with dope chicks and smoke weed about life like, sounds awesome that was it <laughs> so now because i've experienced this in my life as an avid user right sometimes abuser of the thc side where like i'm in that exact mode you just talked about hyper aware hands in my pocket my hands not be in my pocket yeah. it's like what it, the fuck you're am just I second guessing everything exactly so i'm not sure what causes it but i do think it's a, a hyper sense of awareness or apprehension or second guessing like everyone knows i'm stone and then you got to settle <laughs> into i took this or i engaged with this plant for a reason and if I just settle into that choice and accept it, like I might have a good time here. <laughs> well, this coincided with Jeremy basically getting a promotion at work and then starting to leave and move to a new office. And when I yeah, originally met Jeremy, it. like he was he was bartending at Taco Mac, no knock, but just that was it. Yeah. And like playing music. And yeah, then, just chilling. And then it what was kind like of music? Everything. Nice. Funk, blues, jazz, hip hop. Fuck yeah. You name it. And then um, you know, and and we would be walking six miles a day and then mm-hmm. so I feel like probably does have to do with the fact that you're not you have more on your plate and you're not physically taking care of yourself the same way you were yeah well i will say lumping that together for the walks it was it was okay because we'd be talking and getting like movement but like if i'm just chilling and i'm high i'm like oh god yeah there was two thoughts i had (laughs) to that i thoroughly believe that if you're in that state of mind when you're when you're using thc like some degree of motion will help like i think it just Mm -hmm. means like here's some energy go use it like Mm -hmm. don't sit on it don't stew on it don't let it stew within you like go go leverage it yeah i forgot the other like get outside or something yeah yeah yeah. okay oh but also use it for the occasion like if i'm going to um, roll a joint and then take a hit or two before like focusing on some degree of analytical work if I take like four or five hits that's an excessive use of that plant for that mechanism of action like to to do that work two hits was right so I think occasion based usage in the right amount is like if we're going to a concert, modification exactly so we like overindulge like because exactly. I've noticed for me even if I take like two hits yeah. I still get high yeah and oh, some people perfect. are like smoking like Graham blunts and I'm well, just like oh, I'm good. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah, but uh, no, I think I think it's it's got to be appropriate amount. Yeah, and I, I think these days the weed is so much stronger. What prohibition did, right? The lack of the ability to not just access but research the plant legally. Um, imagine this plant growing in so many different areas of the world in China and like all parts of Asia and the Himalayan Mountains and um, India and the United States and Af- like it grew naturally. It's like the easiest plant to grow. It wants to grow. Um, and there's over 500 different chemical compounds in this plant. CBD and THC are the ones we talk the most about, but like it's truly a very biodynamic from a, a molecular standpoint plant. Um, and when it grows in China versus America, naturally, right, throughout history, it's an incredibly different variety profile of those chemical compounds. What prohibition did was take this beautiful, again, I keep saying it, biodiverse, biodynamic plant and made a muddled mess of high THC because with the inability to research the plant, and this is just my theory, right? With, without the ability to research the plant legally, people s- still saw a commerce opportunity, a business opportunity. People still want to buy this. They don't know why, but it gets them high. THC right. gets you high. I'm going to take all of these strains that I have <laughs> that at my disposal and grow them to one compound. 
Mm. So I think that what was once incredibly, again, diverse from mm. a molecular standpoint, naturally got muddled into one compound, and now we're working to pull it back out. That kind of makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So what um, what would make the difference between a sativa and an indica? Um, I don't necessarily mean like the type of high, although that too. Yeah. But do you know do you know that that type of the, on the industry, or are you just more? So I've let go of those body. two terms. I should know the science on it because they're like cannabis sativa L is the genus of the plant or the species of the cannabis plant that we're working with. Cannabis sativa L. It's got some Latin name that I just don't know how to pronounce. Right. So it, like everything is a sativa that that gets you high or even just grows CBD. I don't know the true difference. It's obviously uses like a, a common way to sell product in the dispensary. Indica is going to like lay you out. Sativa is going to get you up and moving. Mm-hmm. I truly believe it's probably more um, the terpene profile of the plant. And what is that? Um, like limonene's a terpene. Imagine things you smell, like in nature. Like limonene is a citrus, like f- like scent that you would smell in oranges and, and lemons and stuff. And all of these terpenes, uh-huh. like linalool is a good example. Linalool is, in a, is a terpene that is found in lavender, and it's known to have a calming effect. So someone can tell me something's a, a sativa if I if it looks to have a lot of linalool in it, which most most dispensaries aren't giving you that degree of, of chemical profile just yet. I would say that might put me down because it's got linalool in it or mercine which is known to help people sleep um, and again all of this is pretty much un- unresearched so there's very little on it so I'm, I'm a believer that it's less about someone's naming convention or the history of the strain but how someone's body reacts to a certain terpene bouquet okay but again I'm just I'm spitballing guys that's just what I believe it just what feels right to me you have more knowledge than, than yeah. the rest of us. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just like, oh, this smells fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now, now I got anxiety and can't move. Yeah, I'm like, oh, God, what's happening? I think there is validity to, like, that type of, of recognition of a plant, though. Like, I'm going to smell this, and I've smelled seven of them, and, like, this one resonates the most. I think, like, that's a good way to choose. Mm-hmm. Say so this one is probably what I need right now or in the yeah. future. Yeah. Okay, and then you, you referenced it kind of. I thought you were going to kind of go into it. Um, you said, like, China, the Himalayas. Um, I know... You know, in the Middle East, um, everywhere it grows. So, like, what are some of the the plant history and, and potentials? Yeah. Um, so history, I, I'm pretty sure it started in the Himalayas. I've done like a little bit of research, but I choose the stories that I want to I want to choose to believe. And I feel like it was yogis just like walking out in the fields of naturally gl- growing like hemp or cannabis and like almost collecting the. Have you ever heard how um, hashish got its name? No. Hash. No. So the Assyrians. Um, they ancient group like the Sumerians, yeah. like a very early form of civilization. They would they would hide in the mountains, right? And when they would come down and they would assassinate people, they would smell like hashish. Wow, Assyrian hashish assassin. This Whoa. is like, such but that's good actually um, historically that was like a ironically right because to me that's not like a war plant, yeah. but like you said, it's kind of what you're doing before, right? If you like didn't probably how they used it i don't know the yeah. exact way but I mean, it um, does make you hyper aware but that's where the 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 hash term that's um, crazy i learned that in a graduate history class whoa that's beast mode and i'm gonna be like that was cool so yeah that's like the, the the beautiful picture i painted after doing some research um and i forgot i heard it from like an og yogi but like they were walking through the plants in the Malia mountains and like they'd come back with like the crystals or the trichomes on their skin and, like that's what they would leverage to turn into medicine but either way i'm pretty confident it moved east to west you can find it in like the chinese pharmacopoeia like you can find it in greece you can find it in like so many different so what would the chinese pharmacopoeia use it for it was used for like everything and i don't know the details on that but when you get to the united states which found it like the latest um or embraced it the latest like it was like the number one two and three thing um prescribed 
back in the day, like up until the 1920s, 1930s. Yeah, they had the hit. war. Yeah, they had the war on cannabis, right? Yeah, what's interesting, the, I think it was the, the Marijuana Tax Act, which went down, went down in like 1932 or something. Mm-hmm. One, marijuana was like a funky name that they gave it. It was for like wild Mexican tobacco, yeah. I think. I've like watched a video on yeah. this. They break it down. Like it, it marijuana wasn't even, yeah. it was cannabis is what it was, is the plant. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it traveled east to west. It's documented through like all type of medicinal books throughout history. It was used as like a resource almost more than anything and a food. Like the plant is super dope because it can do so many things for the human, not just in a medicinal format, the way we all think about it when you're smoking it or taking tinctures of it, but you can heal the, the planet with it. It yanks toxins out of the ground. It's a bioremediator, which is like the dopest thing to me. Like, no What do you mean yanks toxins out of the ground? So I think Chernobyl, where they dropped the the, the nuke, the A-bomb, what the fuck they dropped out there? No, Chernobyl's... Hiroshima? Meltdown. Yeah, so Hiroshima's where they dropped the A-bomb, that in Nagasaki. Chernobyl is, it was like a... It was a meltdown. Meltdown, malfunction. It was one of those two spots. They started planting hemp to remove the radioactive material. So when we talk about, at one point, like quality products... So mushrooms and marijuana just always save the day no matter what. Pretty much, dude. (laughs) Like you have to be careful where you source your cannabis from, you source your hemp from, because it's intended to sponge everything out of the ground. Like you want to make sure your soil is incredibly clean, which I think everyone overlooks. Um, So it's a bioremediator more than anything. It can help us turn the earth back into an organic fucking place which what's is, bioremediator i mean i'm writing that down i'm pretty confident it's what i'm describing just not as eloquently okay. as someone with a science degree would like it, it sucks the toxins out of the ground and there's other plants that do i think sunflowers might be one so just think of like fibrous rooty plants and i'm pretty sure most of them would fall into that category um but yeah we could build with it i think the coolest potential for it is like we don't got to cut down trees so the fact that we're cutting down trees is like a wild thing to me like one acre of hemp equates like four acres of trees and you can grow it like a million times faster um you can build houses that will be flame retardant, that won't burn down, that are antimicrobial. You can make clothes out of it, which again would be antimicrobial, antifungal. So like, <laughs> you're protecting the body. It can be used as a power source. You can make biofuel out of it. Which Have you ever cool. wore hemp clothes? Um, yeah, they're pretty soft. They're pretty dope. Really? But they're usually like a cotton blend. It's hard to find like 100. percent Well, even 50 percent would be. Exactly. Isn't that why the guy that started Reefer Madness? Is because it was I've so, heard of so man. many different rumors. Yeah, on this. Like, I think I'll give you my like two cents tree, on this one for like, sure. He was in the lumber industry. Yeah, and he was bro. like, "Fuck him! They're gonna." Oh man, isn't? I'm so glad you reminded me of that because I I forgot this. William Randolph Hearst, I yeah. think his name was. Yeah. So, he was big into the lumber industry. He also owned like a newspaper or the newspaper yeah. that everyone tuned into. Mm-hmm. So he leveraged his platform, being the newspaper, to like vilify cannabis because I think he recognized the potential. Um, liability it was to the lumber industry. Yeah, he also uh, got America in the Spanish War. Spanish Civil really? War. Yeah, if, if I remember right, it's him. Um, that he's actually the originator of yellow journalism, which is basically just exaggerated wow. sensationalism. Oh, that makes sense. hard to push a story. Yeah, dude. Um, if I'm ninety percent sure it was him. But from a like an overall perspective of the plant, you can use it for most things. Like it's it's crazy to say that. I don't think the commercial landscape of the world will allow it to be everything it could be right away. I think people will find what is profitable, what is feasible. Um, and I don't know what that is right now. There's companies out there. There's one I always see on LinkedIn called Cultivate. Um, I think they got something going on in terms of like leveraging it for a resource. And I think they're Atlanta based actually. Now that I think about it, oh, that's a nice little I've connection. seen ads for hemp plastic. Yeah, too. dude, hemp plastic will like biodegrade in like 80 days, which yeah. is pretty dope. Again, we, it's a matter of large industry moving towards a more sustainable future with the plant and also the ability to scale that plant or the the plant for that use which is hard 
Does that make sense? Like it's all possible, but how do you get someone an expert at creating enough hemp plastic to convince Pepsi or Coke to fucking flip their whole game over? Yeah. To be more sustainable. And is it the right price? They need a salesman like you to do it, bro. That sounds like a billion dollar job. There you go, bro. Yeah. That that could be it. Exactly. Um, And then what about hemp concrete? I've heard that this is actually like the best form of concrete. Yeah. So I don't know the strength of it, but I do know like the one thing I always pull away from hempcrete, I think what some call it is like the house won't burn down. You can build it and the house won't burn down because it's flame retardant, which is just wild to me. That is crazy. And hella strong too. I think like stronger than steel or something. Again, I'm just ripping here, but I'm pretty sure it's strong as hell. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty wild. If if that is actually accurate. So so Mm. basically what the uses are, are clothing. Mm-hmm. Food, obviously getting high. Yeah. Um, medicine. Shelter. Uh, shelter. Yeah, dude. And then paper, right? The plant provides. Yeah, it could be made of many things. So even after it was prohibited in, I think it was like in 1932, the Marijuana Tax Act. Um, was it World War Two, like in the 1940s? I'm terrible with history. You um, probably know better. So than yeah, me. so World War Two, uh, America gets in it in like 1939. Yeah. Uh, or not World War Two kind of takes off in 1939. America gets bombed in like 1942 or Pearl Harbor. Right? Got it. And then, um, Mike, is it is it 1942 Pearl Harbor? I think so. I think it's 1942. And then Hiroshima and Nagasaki are in 1945, if I'm correct. Got it. So prohibition was catalyzed by the Marijuana Tax Act in 1932, 1930-something. Um, and then they brought it back as a, a national initiative to farmers called Hemp for Victory during World War II because they were using hemp for... So I was I'm wrong. Um, it was 41 was when Pearl Harbor was. Good luck. Oh, that's close. That's <laughs> yeah. close. Um, they, they asked the farmers, it was called Hemp for Victory, asking them to grow hemp for, like, the helmets, the sails on boats, like, pretty much everything, the uniforms for soldiers. Um, that's something that gets left out of the history books. Yeah, dude, exactly. It's, it's there for sure, but people don't talk about it too often. Um, so even after prohibiting it, they saw some degree of value for it. And this is, like, now the government, the powers that control, right? Like, they said, no, we need more of this to support this, this cause as a, from a material standpoint. Not so much a, an ingestible or psychotropic or medicinal And standpoint. are they two different plants, hemp and cannabis? Not really. Um, the, the definition that we're all working with right now, um, there's a difference between hemp and marijuana, and that's a legal defi- definition more so than a science-based one. It's all cannabis. It's all cannabis sativa L. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at a certain plant, you might say that's marijuana versus that is hemp. Um, contingent on what you're growing it for. If you're growing hemp for like tall, stocky hemp to make like some degree of resource, you're gonna recognize that as hemp. It doesn't have like flowering buds. But if you're growing hemp for, and I'll get back to the delineation between hemp and marijuana, but if you're growing hemp for like medicinal purposes, it's gonna look like some marijuana to somebody. With big flowers. Exactly. That smell crazy. So right now the delineation, which is really a federal law, it was in the 2018 Farm Bill, I'm pretty sure. Um, They called anything any cannabis plant that has more than 0.3% THC at its dry weight state, marijuana, and anything less than 0.3% THC at its dry weight state, hemp, which is reckless. Again, the plant has like 500 different chemical compounds. That's why you're seeing wild, like, business, I, w- I would just say recklessness. Like, people jumping into the industry with, like, Delta 8 THC, Delta 10 mm-hmm. THC. Because Yeah, what are those Deltas? What's I've that? tried the Delta 8. It kind of worked yeah it does something man yeah so again the the law is based on delta 9 thc if it's above 0.3 percent delta 9 thc it's marijuana versus hemp which is federally legal and marijuana is state by state right um so people found loopholes they found other cannabinoids whether naturally occurring or some degree of like frankensteining to get from a naturally occurring cannabinoid to this like delta 8 molecule um that they can get you high 
but they're psychotropic. So you walk into like a vape store, or like a head yeah. shop, or whatever. Now and like they're hawking you Delta Eight. I don't know all the science, but like you pretty much take, I would say CBD isolate. You would use a solvent, likely an alcohol base or something, which could be bad, could be not. Right. Not bad, depending on how you use the it. Then they add an acidic chemical to that, and then they add a basic chemical to that to, like, balance each other out but transform the molecules. And then you get Delta-8, but it's also Delta-8 and Delta-9. So half the stuff that they're selling under the impression that it's Delta-8 and legal is, one, Frankenstein, but two, some combination of Delta-8 and Delta-9. Um, I, I wouldn't use it. I'd choose not to use it because I had a goofy experience with it. But I definitely tried it. No, what, uh, what was the experience? Um, I think I had some bad guidance, but I should have known better. Um, so the buddy who gave it to me, he's like, it's not as strong as your typical Delta 9, typical Delta 9. So I was like, okay. So I think I had like 50 milligrams of edibles, which is a shit ton a for me, even on like just regular THC. Like, that's a lot, bro. Yeah. And I felt like, like if you looked at me, you would have thought I was about to go to sleep. But inside, like, I felt like I was about to explode. That's where I was at. Dude, that's awesome. So like the, <laughs> the duck. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it was, it was brutal, bro. Um, but Delta 8, no bueno. I think there's just too much of a Frankenstein process. I think what you're looking for is, like, someone just pulling the plant out the ground, extracting it the right way, growing it the right way. It doesn't require much degree of doctoring or alteration once you take it out the ground. And then what you don't know is what the soil was like because apparently it sucks up all the soil. Yeah, dude. Um, that's a, a big component. And it regenerates the soil because obviously I want to have land. So, like, we've been playing around with different plants and, and we're looking at soil regenerating processes. Yeah. Um, we're not necessarily doing it to like have a farm, but we want to grow our own crops. Yeah, um, and and have a bunch of land and stuff. Um, mushrooms are not that hard to grow. No, cannabis not that hard to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's legalities of it. I'm not saying I'm going to, but I'm not saying I'm not right. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so my my thing though is honestly, what's best for the earth, and then, will that if I grow cannabis one year, just hemp, hemp, low THC, right? Um, there you go. I don't want to be rated. Um, <laughs> Will that make my crops healthier and better for me and my family the next year? So I would have to imagine, this is like, I do not know. I'm not a farmer. I don't cultivate this stuff. This is where I haven't done a lot of research. Um, we got to have a farmer on here soon. Yeah, we're, yeah. that'd be really that cool. That would be fun. So like I, have like a farmer to kind of educate, because I don't know shit. My assumption is you'd have to be on some crop rotation. You probably want to start with hemp, right, to like clean it out. And then you probably want to use like buckwheat, radishes, like whatever else is our good rotational crops to re-nourish from like their perspective or balance but like there has to be some combination of rotational crops that works best for what you're trying to grow whether hemp's what you're trying to grow or hemp is part of the process of nourishing your soil that's okay. my guess yeah okay so it's not like a guaranteed it's not it would clean the soil in some capacity but would you just be sucking it of all the nutrients that's what that, i'm wondering like right yeah so i think it's a rotation is it taking thing. as much as it like good as it's taking back yeah uh that'd be interesting it would be to know that it's a little homework project i'll give myself right yeah Hemp, not cannabis. Hemp, right, right, low THC. Yeah, of course. Delta it's all plants. it's all cannabis, <laughs> and then the government has delineated it into hemp and marijuana. Yeah, so cannabis is usually what I call it. Which I could have swore the House just voted on a bill. Like I saw it on CNN. Like the laws are crazy. It's a mess. Though. I saw it in a mainstream news article, yeah. which nowadays doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I don't know. It could just I, the House passed it. I don't know if the Senate did or if it's okay. Law. Got you. But so that, the concept, the I do, I do remember reading that. Yeah. Is they're going to federally decriminalize marijuana? Okay, and it'll be up to every state at that point. Got it. So Which it is could how still it should be, be state illegal, right? Rights. So like, hope if Georgia doesn't, hope Georgia legalizes it. If they don't, then it would still be like a state crime, but not a federal. Yeah, I mean, if democracy's real, like look at all the states, bro. 
like more than mm-hmm. half of them, right? Isn't that how that shit exactly. works? That's going to be states' rights anyway. Yeah, like all of us, all the states have, or I say all of them, like a majority of them have made the decision to decriminalize or legalize in some capacity. It's a maritime that federal yeah. legislation In the happens. city of Atlanta, it is. If you get caught with less than an ounce, it's a fine. Yeah, that's whack. And then um, I think that's good. It's the worst case, it's a fine. Uh, I, I, just, I mean, it's a step in the step. I, I, step. I wish it was nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a step. That's um, why I was saying that. I got bagged in Iowa with a bunch, and I was like, oh my God, I had like six Iowa. Ounces what were you doing in Iowa? I was driving from Colorado to Michigan. <laughs> I know, right? Through cornfields, bro. Just whipping it like a buck. I think I had edibles on my front seat like an asshole. Um, just like I was packing up all my stuff from Denver headed back to, to When Michigan. you moved to Michigan? And yeah. that's legal to legal, right? Michigan yeah. and Colorado. You were in the middle. <laughs> yeah. And I was haphazardly transporting it, and I, yeah, I got bagged with like six ounces on me. And they were like, oh, it's okay. Like, if you have more than half a gram, it's the lowest level of demeanor or misdemeanor but if you have like more than a couple pounds that's when you get into like the next degree of <laughs> of misdemeanor i was like cool so my six ounces is like half a joint they're like pretty much wow wow yeah so i got away pretty easily on that one nice right. way to go iowa <laughs> yeah um, right way to be cool man the cop was cool he gave me my cash to let me bail myself out yeah i had a really good experience despite acting like an idiot out there yeah so uh, just another side note for another little you know me on tangent um so he said, you know, if, in, if it's a democracy, so um, when I first kind of like really started down this wormhole and like trying to really self-educate myself, one of the first books I read, which is a tough read, is Plato's The Republic. Oh, shit. <clears throat> and in The Republic, he argues, and I think actually rather successfully, that the worst form of government, worse than a um, tyrannical dictatorship, is a long-term two-party democracy. Because what eventually happens is you only have two extremes and the weakest on both sides are the ones that get all the attention because of exactly what happens now, right? People will vote for Biden because they don't want to vote for Trump. Yeah. Or they'll vote for, let's say they don't even like Trump, but they'll vote for Trump because they don't want to vote for Biden, right? Like whatever it might be, it creates two extremes. And literally you hear people all the time, well, it's either that or the other guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and the point of it is what happens is the dumbest in the public and the loudest actually have the strongest voice. Yeah. And it will keep making sure that you get the weaker and weaker leaders. But it actually, um, I have a book called The Mathematics of Politics, and it actually shows that a two-party Ooh. democracy is the worst party you can have. Really? Because uh, it, it's easy to say that, right? I'm sure that if you're somebody that a dictator, like a tyrannical dictator is against, that's probably the worst. Yeah. But it's just saying in general, at least that person can get format. things done. Yeah, like yeah. It's like, at least from a math standpoint, that like that was more effective. Yeah, dude, you're right. Because the two party system doesn't get anything done because they're always fighting, and then there's always a rotation, and mm-hmm. it's just the weakest and the loudest. It'd be a nice like four party system, maybe. Like it just have yeah, more it, it's got to be yeah. like a democracy can get better if there's more choices. Yeah. At a certain point, I want to say like I don't, I don't know the exact number, but at yeah. a certain point though, it's too many. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say because then you got ten percent too much stimuli that yeah they voted in their people. That means ninety percent didn't, but ten yeah. percent was enough to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just think it should be no parties. To the democratic point, I think that came from like it should be legal because more than half the states have touched it at some point in like a positive way. Mm-hmm. I think legalization would just really allow all the governing parties, whether it's the FDA or whoever it might be, just like do their jobs and ensure that people get safe product. Like that to me is a big thing. Like. The CBD space is so convoluted with like a ton of brands because there was no regulatory body making them check boxes or jump through hoops that are warranted to like make sure the product's safe and efficacious and mm-hmm. consistent and what it really is. That it's led to like a lot of rotten apples. Explain efficacious for the listener. 
it works it does what it's intended to do it does what it's intended to do yeah like vitamin c is efficacious towards building your immune system right like it's an yeah. efficacious remedy for building immunity i remember i learned the term self-efficacy and it was the ability to get things done because you believe you can get it done wow i like that and i learned that in um a business psychology class and I like I, i've never forgot that word and was like yeah that phrase is a powerful one yeah you know i mean it's like when you play sports with somebody and they win and you don't know why they just always win yeah i'd like to think i'd like to think i had that um Whatever. I think you did. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> did, I did. did. I did. Yeah. Um, I would beat people that were way better than me all the time because I just always believed I was going to. But it's like when you get stuff done, like in business, you get it done just because you, you like you just it. know you're going to get yeah. it done, so it just happens. Self-efficacy. Self-efficacy. I'm putting that one in my back pocket. Self-efficacy. Yeah. That's so where that is there, get set off is there like a lot of weird? Basically, it's unregulated, so you don't necessarily know what you're getting. Yeah. So like, if I go get a gummy, yeah, a CBD gummy. Who knows how how much the you know who's monitoring what's the actual content of CBD? Where did it come from? Like you were saying, what soil was that plant grown in to then yeah. extract from? There's not just oh, there's just not a lot of consistency there. There's not. Um, you want to find a company or like I would just say like know your grower, which is is tough, right? Mm-hmm. But if a company can't tell you like how they're growing the plant, or that they are growing the plant and how they grow the plant and they're not organically certified. Um, organic certifi- certification is, is now able to be attained with, with Hemfields. Um, but from a, if you wanna use a product, a cannabis product that is safe, efficacious, and consistent, like that's what we should all be looking for in anything we're doing from a medicinal standpoint. I wanna take it, I wanna know it's gonna work, and I wanna know it's gonna work when I need it to work. You know what I mean? And that comes down to the consistency of the plant, first of all, right? It's gonna work and it's gonna continue to work. So 500 chemical compounds, right? I mentioned Charlotte's Web has some patented genetics, so like we know that we're working with the same shit over and over. But think about this. I'm a great marketer. I want to jump on the CBD bandwagon or this cannabis bandwagon. I know I can source CBD from Farmer A, and I can build my, my brand through a marketing program or a marketing strategy rather than like a true quality strategy. Right. So I'm going to source from Farmer A. I run out of Farmer A. I fill these beautiful bottles with now the hemp I get from Farmer B, right? Different product, potentially. Yeah, right? same label. Same amount of CBD, but like the, the bouquet of other... Um, terpenes, cannabinoids, flavonoids around that could be different. Then you go to pharmacy, right? Like, so there is strains out there that are easily accessible, but are they consistent? Are they grown the same way year after year? What are they really doing to ensure that? And if someone's not their own cultivator, I think it's where you're going to run into discrepancies of consistency. But then again, they might be growing the same strain. Let's check that box and say they are, right? They're growing the same genetic year over year. So you know that I'm a great marketer, sourcing great product, or at least consistent product. Is that farmer testing his groundwater, mm-hmm. testing his soil, not just within the field, but like within 500 meters of the field, right? To make sure nothing is seeping into that. Because that's where the cleanliness comes from. If you got hella heavy metals in your land that you're growing your hemp, your extract is going to have concentrated degrees of heavy metals, right? Right. So there are products out there. There should be QR codes on most CBD products at this point where you can pull up a COA and it passes all these metrics of pesticides, heavy metals, solvents, and stuff like that. But most people can achieve that at this point. I think what we really need to lean into from a, a purchasing standpoint of cannabis products is consumers and as those consumers seeking like wellness from it right not just recreation or even recreation but you should be seeking consistency and that's a tough thing to come by um because every grow is different so as the guy that doesn't know how to check that yeah let's say i'm in a state and we'll go just went to colorado for the bachelor party right so let's say i go out to colorado tosh sultan is playing the red rocks i want to see that um go to red rocks i've sure. been there once so yeah, um It'll be June 12th if you want to go. We'll talk about that after. But um, 
So let's say, you know, I go to Colorado and I'm looking, how do I, how can I tell that? Yeah, so I'll speak to like a recreational and purchase at this point because we're out in Colorado and a dispensary, like that's the setting we're placing ourselves in. I would probably knock on a bunch of doors if like that was really my goal, right? If my goal was to find a product that I knew was- That should be though, you said. Yeah, but if I'm in, I'm putting myself in like a local Colorado standpoint then, like I live in Colorado. You live in not Colorado. I'm visiting Colorado, right? Because right. I'd be way more concerned with consistency if I'm going back there. I would try to find a dispensary that totes or brags about growing their own stuff. Because they will, like the dispensaries I used to go to, uh, the farm out in Boulder, one of my favorite spots I used to go to, hands down. Because they always had like the same menu of flour. I was like, why don't you guys change it up? But they would change it up when they would bring in like um, brands or flour from like guest growers. Because they grew what they knew how to grow. And it was always the same THC percentage for the most part or like within a few percentage points. So I would just try to find a... I think a boutique local or at least someone like that has enough whereabouts to to test their product or create some degree of consistency but stick to what they know like I'm not going to try to grow this strain and this strain and this strain and this strain because it's the new thing but like I'm going to hone in on something that works and create some degree of loyalty through the repeat purchase of consistency all right so how would I check going to visit it's hard you'd have to talk to the dispensary workers and the, and the, the owners are just really like hey do you guys grow this stuff you know what I mean? Like, that's how I would do it. Because I don't think there's a lot of options to, to understand. Within the CBD space, you'd have to do your research. Like, you'd have to call the companies and, and try to dig through the, the minutia that is their sales pitch to see if they actually grow it or if they have the, the, the science or the willingness to, to publicize their approach to growing, to cultivation. Um, so at this point, it's tough. You can definitely find clean products. You can definitely find products that should work, you know, the first few times you try them. But to ensure consistency, you got to dig a little bit deeper, and it's tough. Okay. Um, yeah. And then um, can you explain the science between an endocannabinoid system and then the endocannabinoid deficiency? Yeah. Um, or, well, the endocannabinoid system is what we talked about, right? Like yeah. it's, it's a it's a series of cell receptors. And I kind of gave you like... it does balance, so like homeostasis. Yeah. And I kind of gave you the receptor component to that. Like if we're playing catch, I gave you the glove, right? But there are endocannabinoids that are produced in your body. So like when you get a runner's high, everyone thinks it's endorphins. It's probably anandamide. Your body producing anandamide, which is an endocannabinoid. Mm. Ananda, I think it means bliss in Sanskrit. It's known as the bliss molecule. Um, there's another one that's, again, endocannabinoid produced by the body. So um, the runner's high is actually probably an endocannabinoid. Yeah. Anandamide is likely what's causing that, that euphoric feeling. That's wild. Okay. So you got receptors. You have your body producing the endocannabinoids. 2-AG is another one. I, I don't know the long name for it. 2-AG is another endocannabinoid like anandamide. I think it's found in like a great quantity in, in breast milk. Um, so at a, think about that. Like at a young age, the body, the mother's body is already programmed to support the child's endocannabinoid system by providing it the nutrition through the breast milk providing that endocannabinoid that the baby's body can't produce yet through the breast milk. Okay. Um, so I think what has happened is without the external supplementation of cannabis, right, or just through, like, lack of healthy living that the human species has really progressed through in the past however long, like, we've seen an exponential rate of diabetes, autism, so many different things, all of which cannabis, again, off the record, probably some science out there has the ability to balance some of those systems out maybe not cure those things or solve those things or mitigate those things but i, I bet it's a good starting point for like some degree of foundational health Did charlotte's web do something like epilepsy um the charlotte's web story started with a little girl who had gervais syndrome which was terrible epilepsy she had like 50 yeah tell a story the story's cool yeah i know oh, this one we tangented real hard there were seven brothers out in colorado growing to um 
demonstrate efficacy to legislators to say people shouldn't need like some degree of medical approval to get this like it's not getting you high they shouldn't need a, a recreational marijuana card or a medical marijuana card they shouldn't have to come to colorado to get it like there should be some delineation between hemp and, and marijuana and that's what catalyzed the law changing was those brothers but in the meantime um, there was a little girl named Charlotte, Gervais syndrome, terrible epilepsy. Um, her parents, at age five, put her in a chemically induced coma. They just didn't know what to do. They tried all experimental medications. She was having 300 seizures uh, a week. What? Yeah, just like frying her brain. Like, that's what epilepsy is, I'm pretty sure. Just like hella electricity running through your brain. So, in a chemically induced coma, they fed her through her feeding tube, the Charlottesville original formula. Um, and she was seizure-free for eight days, and that's really what catalyzed, like, the entire industry. Her story got picked up on CNN by Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Um, upon seeing that or upon that you know from that national exposure rather um, 15,000 families came to Colorado saying I need this stuff for my kid or for me and then like those 15,000 people or families became like the first farmers because like the brothers they had no fucking intention of or expectation of that happening um, they're like how do we grow this on a mass scale like there's no blueprint for this like growing this organically outdoors and was just like chaotic and desperate if you talk to any of them they'll call that that chapter the waiting list which was the hardest for them because mm. they had something or the ability to produce something um that people needed but they didn't know how to expedite the production of it to get it to them they didn't know how to possible. scale it exactly so those families were like the people planting the first fields and how did they know like that first girl <laughs> to do that was it just like hey we've analyzed this compound no, and we think it, it was just accident yeah so it was uh her mother, Paige Figgy, um, was just like a desperate mom trying to save her daughter. She walked into a dispensary, found like a high CBD strain of cannabis in the dispensary. It was called Hippie's Disappointment, and like no one ever bought it. She like made her own home extract out of it, and it helped in some degree. And then um, the brothers that were working on this, like they somehow connected with Paige. Again, just like the universe making things happen the way they're supposed to happen. And I don't know if they began to strategically... I think it was too remedial of a process. Like, I know these guys, but I, I don't know, like, how deep those roots are. But I don't think they were as pragmatic from a scientific standpoint to be growing it for a specific condition. Right. I truly believe, like, it just worked out the way it was supposed to work out. And the the, the cultivar that they patented that worked for Charlotte um, is just, like, good for cerebral stuff. Okay. Yeah. Do you know, like, the why that would be? No clue. Like, okay. truly no idea. Yeah. But I know that was a huge thing that helped marijuana become legal was, like... Little stories like that, hell yeah, basically becoming more mainstream. Like, oh shit, like yeah. So, isn't there certain kinds of, like autism that working well with like marijuana? Yeah, dude. And I can just give you like my two cents of like what I've seen from experience. I went to a show called Autism One at one point, just like hear people like understand that community and and those parents and um, man, you know what? I'm gonna give you a different story. First of all, parents with kids. With I, autism. I was in. I, I want to hear this. Story. Yeah. Well, okay. So I gained a real understanding for how those parents. Um, experiment with their kids and they're very diligent they're very routine they're very documented they're not just going to go try something crazy but they're desperate to a point like where they're trying most things but they would get down to like the specific drop dosage like if i give my child three drops not like a dropper full or not like x amount of milligrams but they were like very focused with the the dosage um that they would find that the optimal um dose for their kids but it didn't always work for every kid but again like the point of that was those humans are superhuman bro like they are earth angels the parents of those kids with autism um but i did meet and i wish i could remember all their names the mother's name was lord ace i can't remember the child or the father's name um and i'm sorry they're in florida they're chiropractors um and they came up to me and they're like does this stuff really work for kids with special needs i was like honestly like i can't say anything i don't really know like the science isn't out there but you could tell they had some degree of 
interest for their business, but it, there was a hidden interest that they didn't want to be as vulnerable about and share. So I just pulled them aside again, human connection. Like I'm good at breaking down those walls and trying to find some degree of yeah. like, what are we really talking about here? And they said, we have a kid and he's not verbal. And I was like, take this bottle. Like that's the luxury of the job I'm in, the position I'm in sometimes is if I, like that's why these brothers did it, right? So I try to, to pass it on when I'm in that moment as much as I want them as, as potential partners to buy and sell the product and use their patients. Like here, use this for your kid. They came back a year later to the same trade show and they said, do you remember us? I said, yeah. They said, we want you to meet somebody. And they introduced their kid. He came up, he shook my hand, and he said, thank you. And, like, I fucking cried, dude. Like, they fucking cried that, like, he would normally not be able to, like, sit in this room, in this conference room, like, full of hella stimuli and people. He, like, would never shake your hand before. Like, what you, that bottle that you gave us propelled us to a, you know, uh, an experimental approach to his autism, and he's now a much more functioning human. That's crazy. Yeah, dude. So, yeah, there's potential there, and I can only give it to you anecdotally. I mean, Holy my shit. my guess would just be the balance, right? The homeostasis. Yeah, dude. Uh, I have to imagine that something was imbalanced and it balances out. 100%. Um, that's awesome. I mean, I remember I got super interested in Asperger's when mm. I was in grad school. Um, do you remember when I was a teacher? Yeah. All right, so. <laughs> when are you not a teacher, though? When are yeah, you yeah. not a teacher? That's no, true. I guess I've always been a teacher, but, like, I was actually a teacher. Um, so when I was in grad school, I don't know if you, if you know this, or, but I went to West Africa. And then up from West Africa, I went to Paris. Um, and everybody in Paris is super cool. Everybody says they're mad rude. At least to me, they were wildly polite and very, like, you know, welcoming. Um, mm -hmm. But anyways, when I was there, I learned how to say nice to meet you. And it's enchanté, mm -hmm. which means you're enchanting. So much nicer than nice to meet you, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> and you know me, so I, I started, I can't go to sleep that night when I find out what that means. And I'm up till, like, four in the morning playing around with, like, words. And I'm like, yo imagine it's the romance language maybe there's so much more engaged because saying nice to meet you even if it doesn't have the same you're enchanting like yeah carryover that's still what you're saying yeah right and then i had just read a book called look me in the eyes by john elder robinson mm -hmm. he created like the electric guitar um and, like stuff like that with kids but he had asperger's um and he was saying that he didn't think in words and that i have that line in my spoken word you know and there's power in thought and I think in words there's power in thought especially exact verbs logically that tautology taught me the power in words right yeah, so that yeah. came from me thinking about that yeah 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 um, that's a wild thought and, and what <laughs> I was thinking words. what I was thinking was like maybe people in Asperger's can't communicate because they're always thinking in pictures and if there was a and I actually emailed this to um, a neuro-linguistic professor at Syracuse University who was going back and forth with me I just couldn't remember his name because I put him on fucking blast um but he was going back and forth with me like, dude, that's so good, like da da da. And I think he just took the idea and ran with it. Wow. Um, because I just emailed him and I was like, yo, man, like, have you ever thought about this? Da 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 da. And and we were going back and forth. He was like, wow, I've never, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was maybe creating a program, you know, to help people with autism or Asperger's. Um, communicate. Communicate like right? Because I think in words ninety percent of the time, which yeah. I find out is not that normal. A lot yeah. of people think more in pictures. Yeah. But I think that maybe that's why I can communicate well because I'm always practicing speaking. Almost, you know, like I'm having an internal monologue at all times and I let it go oh, yeah. and I know how to monitor it and tell when things are like whatever. But yeah. um, I think you're, you're spot on with the communication component of those special needs kids. Like, I don't know if anyone knows, but Cody Lee, you got to look him up. I think it was America's Got Talent. He was this kid. I think he was blind. He had autism or some degree of, of learning, you know, challenge. And um, he was verbal. He could walk on the stage with his mom. And, you know, he spoke choppy, but, like, he was able to say, my name is Cody Lee. And then he got to the piano, bro, 
and like the homie just like crushed the piano he was able to sing like nothing i've ever seen before but again like the way his mind works was not words verbal like physical world so much it was the musicality of life it was those rhythms those equations that math right Mm. have you ever seen august rush no oh that's so good you gotta watch that bro it's so good it's um it's very like synchronicity and this kid just is attracted to the music michael burke actually is the one that put me onto that um that guy that guy's a trip (laughs) (laughs) yo he actually came over mike's mike's laughing back there so we had the sound healer come on um jeremy couldn't talk for the rest of the show jeremy's just like (laughs) (laughs) like um so he came over to my house last saturday i had a bunch of people over um barbecued and grilled you know and then you know mushrooms stuff like that um (laughs) and he sets up and he plays and we all lay down antonio had like an exorcism that was crazy like yeah like he cleared some ancestral trauma um it was wild though and was wild this was the most interesting thing to me right so like you know how mike is right he's chilling we walk in he disappeared in the house i tell anybody and we walk in he's sitting there perfectly straight goes the show is about to begin and, 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 Holy and get ready and like he starts playing these na- <laughs> he's the native american like drums and, and like yo it was the, the, so good man like it starts going like crazy antonio like his breathing goes nuts yo it sounded like something was like leaving him right for like five minutes yeah breathwork is nuts bro i got uh the fireplace it wasn't breathwork he just lay back and listened oh, uh, yo he produces dmt sound. naturally in your brain yeah yeah so like those was, that were trying to take the next level mushrooms just help even more but like um so you did the mushrooms with the sound therapy yeah yeah, yeah. that's insane and then and then afterwards we all just sat by had a fire pit going after we sat by that just decompressed so antonio and um Corey, after you know they're having like a moment like taking it in and antonio can't stop shivering like like the way i was when i went on the ice plunge with like jesse jesse it's in those guys right yeah so I look at Mike and I was like, is that normal? He goes, yeah, yeah. Whenever somebody clears ancestral trauma or something like that, he goes, scientifically, what happens is that's a lot of stress and tension. And when stress and tension leave the body, that's heat leaving the body. He goes, he's going to be shivering for a while. Wow. And it, which was wild, Whoa. right? So for me, spiritually, that was like some shit left. But like, scientifically, something left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he like said like he's been having beautiful dreams and like all this crazy wow. stuff. But like something got cleared from that music, from that's that awesome. sound. and. But yeah, so he was just so remote. He's, he's actually coming to the wedding. He's been doing the sound stuff. Nice. Um, so Mike's going to the wedding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah let's go. Yeah. He's cool as hell. He was he was mad that you weren't there when he got there. Um, but he, where was I going with this? That's okay. I don't know. I can bring us back to one spot. Yeah, yeah, that we please. Were, yeah. Right. You asked about endocannabinoid deficiency, and I think like that's where I went on this autism tangent, right? Yeah. Um, but I firmly believe that when we didn't have access to the plant or it wasn't a regular part of our lives, like the way it was in ancient China or ancient Greece or ancient wherever, right? Where it was a medicine, even in the United States, right? We just been removed from it, from a plant that we co-evolved with. I believe like all of these, like the just downward trajectory of human health is probably partially due to the fact that we haven't been engaged with this plant on a regular basis, whether from a dietary standpoint or like a truly, you know, activated medicinal standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that could help bring back, well, again, like decrease diabetes or autism or all these things that are just like ripping humans apart what's the optimal amount of thc 
That's different. Because now when I went in yeah. Breckenridge, I went out to Lake Tahoe last year. It's basically just like a crapshoot for let's make the Everclear of marijuana where you take one hit and you're just. Yeah, dude. I would advise everyone to like journal their shit. If they're really serious about just like using cannabis, whether it's CBD or THC or whatever, like like write it down. Let Ask yourself how you fucking feel doing it. But low and slow is the easiest way to find the right approach without scaring yourself off. Like mm-hmm. I've learned I really like microdosing edibles, like THC edibles, like a two and a half milligram versus a 10 milligram or something. Same. Like okay. yeah, just dude. a little nibble. Maybe I should to, try that. Just a little nibble on a 10 milligram. Yeah. Yo, my girl loves it. She's like, you're the nicest, happiest, kindest person. So maybe I'll be super like. It's almost sub-perceptual, but like, you know, it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. think some people are just more susceptible? Like, and maybe for me versus someone else, if I ingest a lot, maybe my endocannabinoid system just takes in more and it's just. Yeah, so everyone's endocannabinoid system is designed differently. Like, those receptors are in all the same places that I mentioned, but you might have, like, a ton, you know, jumping around in your brain where I might have way more in my gut than I do in my brain. So, like, every human's endocannabinoid system is different. I'm pretty sure you can impact it mm-hmm. through exercise, exposure to sun, meditation, or, like... Well, definitely you know, if it's a runner's high. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like you So we were exercising more. more, you're probably more unbalanced. Yeah. And you know what, like, this is just a complete guess now that I'm thinking about it, but if CBD does bring some degree of, like, calm or peace, or, like, the cannabis plant does, and I think it's the CBD doing it, like, maybe it engages in some mechanism that blocks the absorption of anandamide, right? If anandamide is the bliss molecule, right, you're either having a tough time producing it if you're not feeling great. Just my guess. Like, I truly don't know this. So exercise makes you feel better. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, like the CBD component, maybe it's blocking those receptors or that it's stopping the degradation of anandamide in you to allow you to have a more more abundant amount of anandamide. So it might not be the chemical itself, it's the reaction of the chemical. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another interesting thing about cannabinoids, just like a fun thing that I enjoy, is I think within any synapsis, like most chemical compounds that are involved in uh, any degree of synapsis, it's flowing from one neuron to the other, like in a one directional way. Cannabinoids can go in two directions. Um, when creating, so them. most can only go one direction. Yeah, and I don't know the names of these compounds. Hmm. I don't know what it, you know, the science behind the brain right. synapsing. Is that what I say? But I do know that it can move in both directions of the neurological connection, um, which to me just makes it a more efficient mover of information. I guess. It's interesting. Um, yeah. And then, um, why does marijuana have short-term memory loss? No fucking clue. But right. I feel that. I can feel that on a regular basis. But it's, like, extremely short-term, though. Like, it's minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember, like, if I get really high, like, I remember the night. It's just, like, from one oh, no, thought to the, the next. Oh, no, alcohol is the worst. Yeah, alcohol is, like, for me, like, you can actually forget a night. I've never been so high that I forgot yeah. an evening. It yeah, was just, yeah. like, periods of time where I'm, like, thinking, and like I'm, like, walk that was five the... minutes that I don't remember what I was just doing. Are you walking to the other room, like, why the fuck did I just walk in here? <laughs> like, that's the best it's example. It's, like, very short term. Yeah. I got no idea where that comes from. My assumption is it's definitely messed Like, it works within the, the memory spot of the brain, for sure. My assumption is, like, I'm thinking too much about too many <laughs> things, and then the body moves towards one of those things in my head, and then my head is already onto something else before my body gets to that destination of where it intended to go. Lack of focus. Yeah, exactly. So if the uh, endocannabinoid system is in us naturally and we naturally produce them, do you think there's people that can overindulge and that's why if they stop, they can get depressed from like almost like a withdrawal? Because can you have a marijuana withdrawal? It's almost like you're you're super caffeinating yourself. Yeah. And then you stop and it's like your body, now you feel tired because you're used to an exogenous source of whatever that is. Yeah. Nice word. Because I. Surprise! Sometimes you know, yeah. audio books they I work. 
<laughs> but because um, I just I never like I randomly stopped. Like I used to smoke every day, mm-hmm. and I never had a withdrawal. Yeah. Like I don't I don't I don't feel a compulsion. Yeah. To smoke, I would like to either dose it down maybe and try that or like more CBD. But I was just wondering, like, you know, just in terms of how your brain would work if you're, you know, like I said, like exogenously absorbing all these substances through THC, whatever the case may be, and you stop, does it take a while for your body to kickstart up that again? Or like, is there even research on that? No idea. And I'm like, not the science guy. I'm the, like the voice of the high level plant stuff. Right. But I, I would say that there's some degree of tolerance. We all have experienced that. Mm-hmm. Like when I use our CBD products, the CBD products I sell and use on a regular basis, like I take a couple, probably days off every month just to be like reminded of what life is like without it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, cause I'll be having great sleep and not thinking I'm sleeping great. Or I'll like be focused and not thinking I'm, I'm hella focused. And I'll stop taking that CBD for like a couple of days. And I'm like, oh shit, like this is, this is what life is like without it. Like I was doing all right. So I think there's some degree of human perception that's involved with that. I don't think it's addictive though. I think there's probably science behind that. Like, I don't think it's addictive. I think if anything that it's, it's human consumption that's addictive or um, the addiction of consuming Mm -hmm. to avoid some degree of internal angst. I mean, that's why I consume excessively. It comes from within. It's not the plan, it's the human. Whether it's food or cigarettes or marijuana. Like food food can be addicting for some people. Exactly. I do those things like avoid me, right? Like I'm an, a compulsive consumer when I'm anxious. So I think if anything, it's not the plant that's driving the addiction. It's it's the something else, but like the oral fixation could be driving mm-hmm. the addiction. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't think hemp or cannabis is doing it. Yeah, I didn't experience any. Yeah. There is no receptors in the part of your brain that controls involuntary movements of the body, like your breathing. Like that's why cannabis can't kill you. I don't know if that's like the reptilian brain or I forget what part of the brain that is, but you, like cannabis cannot impact those things. So maybe that's why it's not addicted to, I don't know. Cause you're like, you're genuinely plugging opioids into your subconscious brain because there's receptors for opioids in that. Has there ever been a cannabis overdose death? I don't think so. No, no. From what I, from what I've read, cannabis and mushrooms haven't had those. Yeah. Only like from psychosis or whatever they yeah, call like it. Yeah, they might have been high and done something and died. Yeah, but the but not the biochemical cause was not not from too much yeah THC or yeah too much psilocybin from from because I, I looked up those and that's why I that's why I experimented with those drugs and yeah not yeah some of the others because I was like hell yeah all right so these ones don't kill people and they come from the earth exactly all right feels like a safe bet and then I enjoyed <laughs> it so and I kept doing it but hell yeah man um. But yeah, that, that was how I ended up gravitating towards those. Yeah. That and marijuana is just everywhere. I know. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah. like they, they introduced it to too. us. That, that helped. Yeah. Too. They showed us in the sixth grade, right? Like dare. Like this is a gateway drug. They introduced it to us. I know. And I was like, I alcohol is a gateway drug. I didn't even know For what sure. that was before you just told me. Now I'm intrigued. Alcohol, yeah. is, alcohol is a gateway drug? drug. Nobody yeah. smokes weed and is like, let's go get cocaine. Cannabis is the, the exit strategy for sure, bro. Yeah. It should be at least. I, like, I always I say marijuana is my anti-drug. Exactly. 100% man I think there's just like a lot of like to that reefer madness chapter of human history like there's still a lot of stigma and I, I love her to death but I have a co-worker who is like hell bent that alcohol is a safer bet than cannabis and I'm like yo I love you I can't leave you in this company but you're awesome and you're great and like how do you really believe that like put and this is the the picture I try to paint how did she her. sell marijuana then um she's great she's like she believes in the plant and the product but like this is just the unique debate her and I had as as friends right I'm like are you kidding me 
um, like put 50 alcoholics in a room, put 50 potheads in a room with their vice of choice and like check back in two hours and see what the fuck's going on. You know what I mean? You have a bunch of people eating cookies, giving hugs, playing rock, paper, scissors. The other ones, who the fuck knows? Fighting for <laughs> exactly, sure. Exactly, bro. For sure fighting. Exactly. Alcohol for sure fighting. Dude, yeah. I never get munchies from weed. I don't Only from alcohol. Are you fucking kidding me, Same. bro? Bro, Same. you give me like I don't four get, shots of Jameson, I don't get, I don't I'll get eat marijuana. everything in your fucking house. I don't get marijuana munchies. I actually what? get less hungry. Me too. What? I mean, that's great. And again, I think it goes back to like how it's, it's working within your system and the blood sugar up down, however it's regulating that or deregulating something. That's awesome, dude. That's like yeah. the the ultimate money maker is how to replicate your degree of biology. Well, sugar alcohol can create an <laughs> insulin response, Boom. which will make alcohol you makes hungry. me eat more recklessly. Like, dude, I never eat like munchy food. Yeah. Never, except when I'm drunk. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny. It's a beautiful plant, though. It can like help the human body, help the the physical planet, and uh, just bring us back to a spot of sustenance and like balance with the earth. Like the the homeostatic component of the human body is very. Um, it's micro compared to what the plant can help us achieve from a homeostatic state in relation to the planet. Like, that's the, the beauty of it's it. It's interesting how a lot of these plants do the same thing in the body they do on the earth, right? Yeah. Like, mushrooms is the same. So, like, mycelium is the way trees and stuff um, communicate underground, yeah. right? 100% through the root the system. information through the root system yeah. to the mushroom. Yeah. And the mushrooms, when you do it, it connects you to, like, the outer world. It, it's interesting, though, like, you know, marijuana does that and then it basically does that in the body exactly um again like we could god don't make mistakes no we no. can clean the earth up and clean the human body up through embracing this plan just like getting behind it with some good research and regulation but yeah god don't make no mistakes the universe don't make no mistakes what um if you had to if you were able to accomplish one thing only one thing um <laughs> with your Vocation, or it doesn't have to be what you do now. Yeah, with the cannabis plant, um, what would it be? Um, it's a wild statement or a wild question, and I think my statement will be crazier. I think I've done what I came to do. Like I wanted to be a voice for the plant. To so you do more podcasts like this, then? Yeah, to drive some degree of credibility to it, and I, I mean that in the sense of like I've watched my father, who was an incredibly like hot-tempered human, begin to take these products, and like I'll never forget the day he called me up. He's like, Bry. Like, everything that bothered me at work just didn't fucking bother me today. And, like, I, that brought tears to my eyes. So, like, watching the impact of the humans around me was important. But I, I, I feel like the company I've been lucky enough to work for is in a spot that it's going to sustain. I feel like it's a good vehicle for the plant's voice. I will continue to, to work within that environment as long as I can. But for me, I guess, to answer it rather than dodge it, I would want to work to increase the populations of doctors that feel good using the plant. Um, because for me to shout it from the rooftop is one thing. I'm a passionate, crazy kid who knows some of the facts, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, this whole thing has been very loosely rooted in what I think and what I've read or researched, right? But it's, like, passion right. more so than science. Mm-hmm. I know that when I can sell hard enough or sell with enough integrity to get a doc onto it, like, that doctor's voice is ten times, if not a hundred times or a thousand times more credible than mine. Right, so my goal is to influence those that have the true ability to influence from a healing standpoint. So I just have you gotten them. some? Like, have you have you tried? Yeah, have what, you ever like, hey, give these? You know? Oh yeah, that's yeah. My, that's what I do. Okay, that's like a, a majority of how I spend my time. Just more okay. so on the business side than the actual conversational side of it. Okay. Yeah, I'm managing partners that sell down, downstream to doctors. Okay. Um, so so yeah. it's, it's working. If the yeah. business is growing, then more doctors. So you're are, doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. But I think the there's a need for like that to me is the ultimate 
push for this plant to get to a more prominent spot in its medicinal perception or the mm-hmm. human perception of its medicinal value is through the doctor's voices and we're just like scratching the surface like we really are like from a you know we're and i don't know the numbers of the company but like only a few percentage points of the amount of chiros in the in the country do we sell to or do they advocate for our products or cbd in general like a couple percentage points like not 10 percent even so there's there's room for expansion within that community but then it gets down to like tougher things not only are you convincing them on the science and the dosing guidelines which is tough to do as a, a dietary supplement company um, but you have to get like the business side of it down they don't want to carry inventory so you have to get creative like we need a dropship program we need a virtual dispensary so like right. there is things to be done both in like the passion side can as you well have as drones as drop them off probably i don't know if we could well, but what's the difference between a consumer buying from the company versus a doctor like if it, it could would a doctor just say hey you know take you know three vials of this a day and then they could just be like cool yeah i'm just gonna buy it directly from them because they manufacture their own medication that's a really and interesting. there's no fda that's telling me that no you have to buy you know ibuprofen at this milligram is only administered through a pharmaceutical company not through the yeah. grocery store in the united <laughs> states so you do have like your your marijuana based drugs like marinol i think sativa x sativex something like that um what was the, the most recent one? Epidiolex, which was, like, specifically designed for epilepsy. So, like, you have your pharmaceutical approaches mm-hmm. to it, but it's tough, again, because it's a natural thing. It's a plant. Yeah. There's slight variety to it, even when you're working as hard as we are to ensure consistency. But, like, Charlotte needed, like, probably, I don't know, hundreds of milligrams of CBD to help with her, her Dravet syndrome, her epilepsy. Whereas me, I need, like, I don't know, 20 to 50 milligrams a day to deal with my anxiety and, and like, lack of sleep. So I think it's contingent on what you're approaching or what you're trying to mitigate, what you're trying to help, you know, relieve. Um, and then experience. So, like, the, that's one of the biggest pushbacks when I talk to a doc is, like, tell me how to fucking do it, bro. Like, I'm, I understand it. I trust your brand. Like, show me how to do it with a patient with this. And that's hard for me to say. Yeah. But, like, there's a group called the Realm of Caring, um, Charlotte's mother plus a woman named Heather Jackson started this organization for imagine that waiting list period that I mentioned right um, there's a lot of families looking for this stuff once they got it they didn't know how to use it right so a bunch of mothers created this resource of an organization called the realm of caring to allow like now it's the largest anecdotal research data set um, in the country for cannabis they work with john hopkins to legitimate uh, legitimatize the data and what they did was like you are asking this question you got a brother or a sister with autism or a family member with some degree of dementia whatever it might be right you can call them up and have some like science like conversation rooted in science around a product that's in your hand like a, a, a very specific product in a specific condition so like there are organizations out there that are working towards helping even doctors find that degree of confidence to prescribe or suggest the right amount because otherwise it's trial and error that's like where i yeah. take a journal because there's no like long-term studies because it's been frowned upon and illegal yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of a crapshoot they're coming but there's resources out there to help people do it for yeah sure. and it's kind of hard for people to make like doctors to make money on that because it's a natural source to me that might be a little bit of the re- you know, it's kind of hard to monetize from a doctor's standpoint. Yeah, they'd have to shift their model from, like, the pharmaceutical model to, like, a business model, like carrying product and selling product. Right. Do you know what I mean? Or lean into a company or an organization that has the ability to drop ship to their patients. And I think mm-hmm. once we figure that out, we'll be able to set the fire uh, ablaze for sure. Yeah. Because okay. it's digital, right? Digital world. People want to drop, click. They don't want to carry inventory, especially docs. Like, uh, most doctors want to be practitioners, not businessmen or businesswomen. Right. 
not all of them, but a majority of them that if we want to scale, that's who we got to infiltrate. How do we make it easy for those folks who are great doctors but not great with business? Mm-hmm. So why, like, what do I want to accomplish a little bit more of driving into that community? Okay. Yeah. So just kind of like, not monopolizing, but really just capitalizing and, and creating allies in the doctor medicinal community. Exactly. My favorite thing to do where I feel like the most valuable to this company, to this plant, it was when I would go to, to health food stores and give consumer seminars, just like around the basic stuff we talked about just now, but just like turning the light bulb on for people to feel comfortable enough to try it. Or when I would go to like medical trade shows, like the Florida Chiropractic Association, and just talk to like hundreds of docs coming up to the booth every day. And like, you, you know that when they left, you turn something on where they're like, all right, I'm gonna give this a shot. Yeah. Like that's where I feel like I'm at my best. So it helps you with anxiety? Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think you ever had anxiety, I don't remember it. Uh, I think I do these days, or I've recently found some Probably relationship in the with adult it. world, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and like if I'm bugging out, especially with trading, like cause that's a whole new dynamic of emotion <laughs> and, and spectrum of emotion that I'm trying to, to hone in on. Um, yeah, it works for me just to cool me out a little bit. And more so like the monkey mind before bed. Like it turns me off much quicker than it used to. For me, uh, it's just connection. Just a couple hits and I feel super connected to the world and people and I'm like better. Yeah. Too many and I'm too high, but just one or two hits. Yeah. It's perfect. That's all you need. A nice that's why food. I like those little edibles. Hell yeah, dude. Um, I got some of those. Nice. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, guys. Uh, welcome back to free game. You know what I mean. Was, <laughs> I think I think that's a good way to end it. Um, you know, we call it free game. You know, I say it every time, but it, it is important to me. You know, I had a feeling that this was going to come to me before it did, and it had to be called free game. And the concept was free, unrestricted game, life lessons, teaching. Right? You said like I've always been a teacher, but like this is my new platform, oh, and yeah, I had a vision where it's going to be like a portal. F- little under the radar for those that want it can take them to the next level oh yeah so we just hope to, to bring conversations like this to everybody that, that wants to hear them yeah i'm super grateful that you guys had me this is fine it's cool to see like, it's, it's good to have jeremy this. back here jeremy's yeah. been up in yeah. south carolina this, this is our first episode back since um mm-hmm. i had to put it on hold for open enrollment <laughs> all right play that music baby <laughs> thank you guys so much oh and thank me. you to our friends at, at business radio x mike yeah. his son's um helping us out too today so so thank you 